You're listening to the audio program, Host and Guest, hosted by me, Rick Katchke. Now here's myself, Rick Katchke. Yes, welcome to this edition of Host and Guest. I'm your host, Rick Katchke, and on today's program, the guest is Scott Adsit. We'll have the interview with Scott in just a moment. My former employer, the Milwaukee Bucks, just lost a seven-game series against Atlanta. It was a bit of a heartbreaker, but no one expected the Bucks to win a game or even make the playoffs, so it was a bit of a moral victory at the same time. Host and guest favorite Tom Fuchs and I went to Game 6 of the series here in Milwaukee, where if the Bucks had won, they would have won the series. And on every seat at the Bradley Center, there was a cheap red towel that said, Fear the Deer, April 30th, Game 6. It was uh, kind of a knockoff of the Pittsburgh Steelers' terrible towels where you just wave it around the whole game, which doesn't really mean anything. So it was just sort of a nice giveaway, but since this is Milwaukee and there are plenty of jerks in the city, there were pockets of people that were going around the entire arena and finding any unclaimed towels where the person hadn't sat down yet And so the towel was still resting on the back of the seat and they were stealing them and grabbing them and running off as if someone was going to chase after them. And this happened throughout the entire game. The thing is, the Bucks ended up losing 83-69. to So these people that spent like the whole game collecting towels have kind of a worthless souvenir because I don't know how many diehard Bucks fans are really going to want to have a a piece of memorabilia that commemorates an 83-69 to blowout loss. Oh man, remember when the Bucks had a shot at winning a series and then they totally fell apart in front of the whole crowd? Man, I would love to have a towel that celebrates that. Uh, the other thing that struck me as being funny about the towels was that they were red and the Bucks were really pushing that we should all wear red to the games and when you think of the Milwaukee Bucks, the primary color that they should be using is green. That's sort of been the number one color over the years. Red's sort of a recent trend. The other thing that factored against using red should have been that when the Atlanta Hawks are on the road, they wear red jerseys. So if you were watching it on television, you would think, wow, everyone's cheering for Atlanta. We'll have the interview with Scott in just a moment. Our guest on today's program is the very funny Scott Adsit. If you don't believe me, here's comedian Laura Keitlinger to contribute her feelings about Scott. Scott is the funniest bastard I've ever worked with. The funniest. There you go. Thank you, Laura. Scott is perhaps best known for his role as Pete Hornberger on the amazing sitcom 30 Rock, but he also worked extensively on Mr. Show and Moral Oral. He also appeared in the films The Terminal, Kicking and Screaming, and The Informant, among others. I spoke with him before a performance of the show Celebrity Autobiography at the Royal George Theater in Chicago. All right, welcome to this edition of Host and Guest. Today I'm joined by Scott Adzit. Uh, Scott, welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, Scott, uh, you're here in Chicago on the Celebrity Autobiography. Uh, it's not necessarily a tour, but you're not, doing the shows here. It's not a tour yet, but we're looking into it. Sure. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the show and uh, your involvement in it? It's a show that's been running about 10 years between the two coasts, and uh, it started in L.A., and now it's in New York, and it's a show where a bunch of, in quote, celebrities read excerpts from other celebrities' autobiographies. So... 
Uh, I'm tonight here at the Royal George. I'm going to be doing uh, an excerpt from David Hasselhoff's autobiography, talking about his Broadway experience and why Broadway is the place for him. Uh, is is there a favorite autobiography that you've come across over the time that you've been doing this show? I, I'll tell you, I like watching Richard Kind, who everyone should know who that is. Spin City. Spin City. Okay. Uh, uh, a serious man. He was in as well. Uh, he does Vanna White, talking about the pitfalls and dangers of being a letter turner. And he does it very <laughs> passionately and honestly, and it's hysterical. But what makes these things so great is uh, that you, you, you just marvel at the fact that people have written down the mundane details of their lives and think that people want to pay money for it. Uh, of course, they're paying money for it tonight, so maybe... <laughs> Uh, Scott, you're one of the stars of the hit NBC sitcom 30 Rock. Has there been a favorite episode that you've done of the show? Um, well, I, I think one, like, one of my favorite episodes is when I'm not in, which is when uh, Liz goes to her high school reunion and finds out that uh, she was the bully. <laughs> and not, she, she remembered incorrectly, and she turns out to be, have been the bully. Uh, that is one of my favorites. Uh, and I, actually, you know what? I like I this one that aired re- just recently where Will Forte is playing uh, Jane Krakowski's new boyfriend and uh, Liz and Pete are a bit suspicious about him. And you get to uh, try to invent a new character or reinvent yourself, I should say. He's constantly looking for a way not to be himself. <laughs> he just, he's not real happy with his life on the surface. Now, uh, you are back in Chicago. You're also a, a Second City Main Stage alum. Do you have any favorite memories from your time at the Second City? Um, I liked just hanging out with really clever people like Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch and Adam McKay and uh, Kevin Dorff, who writes for Conan. We were all in the same cast together. Jenna Jolovitz, who's a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, I could go on and on and on with people that you would recognize or people who should be better known than they are. Um, that it was just so fertile and funny, and we all got along pretty much. So that was a rarity as well. Sure. Second City too is kind of a rarity um, <laughs> that the whole cast usually you know gets along. And um, specifically, there was a night when we had some drunk woman in the audience, and it was uh, whole, the whole cast was on stage doing a scene, and some drunk woman started talking back to us, and. That happens occasionally. But she got up and she approached the stage and walked up onto the stage and joined the scene (laughs) without a character, which is irresponsible, (laughs) and just drunkenly just told us what we were doing wrong. And uh, and Tina had the wherewithal to just take the woman by the shoulders and very kindly walk her into the wings. And there's a stairway down into the wings, and uh, this woman took a dive down these stairs, <laughs> like three or four steps, and uh, did planted into a pile of costumes, but made a big noise when it happened. So, you know, what it seemed like was that, <laughs> that Tina had walked this woman <laughs> off stage and then just <laughs> threw her on the ground and came back on stage, um, which I think is not what happened. I actually didn't see what happened. I just, I just know <laughs> Tina's story. Yeah, her side. Yeah. Now, uh, after Second City, you then went to Los Angeles, and you were on uh, the final season of Mr. Show. That's right. Uh, how was it working with those guys and being part of that um, cult hit comedy? Well, again, that was a, an amazing group of writers um, and performers, 
and I was just a very small cog in that. I was a friend of Bob Odenkirk and a friend of Dino Stamatopoulos, who was one of the writers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they just kind of invite they like what I do or whatever I whatever it is I do. And uh, they said, "Come play." So it was just you know I was utility, but it was a great time, and I felt very proud to be part of something that was so well written and well conceived and made with such love and care mm-hmm. and it, I, you know, I think it's the best sketch since Python and there hasn't been a show like it since. Now uh, you mentioned Dino who you worked on Moral Oral with uh, and you have a new show that you guys have worked on coming out uh, called Mary Shelley's Frankenhole. Yeah, it's another, it's like Moral Oral in that it's stop motion animation made with puppets like uh, the Rankin Bass sure. shows. Um, we've created these new kind of puppets too which are really excited about um, because I haven't seen anything like them. They're like they look like origami. Sure. Do you know any details about what, if uh, Moral Oral might have the rest of its seasons released on DVD? I haven't heard, but I, th- I saw a rumor online that someone had heard that they <laughs> might be releasing the second half of the entire series. Uh, I hope so. I'd like people to have it. It's on iTunes if you want to go find it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I have to ask you this. There was a, uh, a porn parody of 30 Rock, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to know how you felt if you ever anticipated in your career that someone would be uh, portraying you, your character in Well, it's a mixed bag uh, of insult and flattery because uh, the guy who plays Pete in this is buff and beautiful and and, and well endowed So so you've seen the the film? Uh, No, actually I've seen stills, I've not (laughs) sat down to watch it because it's very disturbing to see your friends (laughs) fucking each other Um, So uh, I avoid it, but the guy has sex with the Sari character, uh, which is another great compliment to me. Um, but the, uh, so all of that is very flattering that they've found a very attractive guy. But then they put him in this like fright wig that is bald on top, and then just like my hair is kind of kinky, tightly curled almost dreadlocks down to about his elbows <laughs> from his bald head. Uh, I don't get it. He so looks, that throws it for it's, you? Yeah, I mean, that's, he, he looks like Danny DeVito is the penguin more than he looks like me. But that's how people see me, I guess. Fantastic. I, I, I have seen it, and he does bite Ceri's nose in the film. So. Does he? <laughs> oh, good, okay. Uh, yeah, so, but I will tell you this. Tina informs me that that scene won an award at the AVN Awards for, like, best heterosexual scene. That's great. Yeah, so that's a feather in my cap. Silver lining. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, every week on the show, we always ask for some recommendations. Uh, So, first of all, a film recommendation. Could be recent, could be a favorite film. My favorite film is Bedazzled. My favorite comedy is Bedazzled uh, from 1967. Not the remake? Somehow, no. Uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Uh, It is... Brilliant, and I'm I'm sure if this is if there are geeks out there, they know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't seen uh, Bedazzled and you like British comedy, go see that. Absolutely, and uh, an album recommendation. Patton Oswalt. The the new one or uh, any, any of them? Any of them? Sure. Yeah. Let's go with uh, a book recommendation. I'm reading a book now. I just went to Africa over the summer and went on safari and met Maasai. People and I've read a. I'm reading a book now about a woman who traveled there. Uh, she's German, I think, and she 
fell in love with a Maasai man the moment she saw him and uh, ended up staying there and marrying him and learning the Maasai way, although none of it makes sense because the woman seems to be crazy because she is in love with him unconditionally from the moment she sees him and he doesn't even speak her language or understand what a kiss is or he's confused and insulted by kissing. Okay. And she throws herself into this relationship and it's like, I mean, it'd be, it'd be like falling in love with an alien. It just, I don't, I can't understand. I, I'm reading the book and I can't see what, how she thinks this can work. And then eventually it does. I mean, it's just saying power, I guess. But it's called uh, White Maasai. Anything else uh, coming up that you'd like to, to plug? I've got a movie coming out at uh, some point this spring called Last Night. Um, starring Kira Knightley and Eva Mendez and Sam Worthington, and I'm in it. I wouldn't say I'm <laughs> starring in it. Uh, You're a headline in there? No, somehow. Um, and then anything else this summer? Um, I just have shows running at the uh, UCB in New York. Sure. And this show. Excellent. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being on Host and Guest. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been a good host. Thank you. Thanks again to Scott for joining me on Host and Guest. If for some reason you haven't seen it already, be sure to check out 30 Rock. The first three seasons are available on DVD, and it airs Thursday nights on NBC. I also would like to recommend the documentary Second to None, which is about the production of the Second City Review, Paradigm Lost. It features Scott, uh, Tina Fey, Rachel Dratch, Jenna Jolovitz, Kevin Dorff, Jim Zulovic, and previous host and guest guest, Mick Napier is in it, and uh, it's a really phenomenal documentary. It's recently been released on DVD and can be ordered on Amazon.com. If you would like to support Host and Guest, you can purchase my book, Mark Sanders' Tangential September, at lulu.com. There should also be a link for it in the episode description. It's a fun book and would make a great gift for mom for Mother's Day, although I don't know if you'd get it on time. It's been a while since we've done a full Host and Guest, and... I appreciate your patience during the self-imposed hiatus. Look forward to doing a lot more this year, and uh, thanks again for listening. Sand, 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 sand,